Welcome to the Football by Football Podcast. Let's do it. And welcome back. This is The Real Thing, Patriots Podcast, and I'm your host, Matt Chatham. Excited to dive into this thing with you guys. I know it's been a hectic week with a lot of distractions out there, politics, talk, the CTE thing came in a little bit at the end of the week prior to the game, and then the anthem stuff, and there's enough other things that clog up your mind out there that could distract from the stuff on the field we want. This uh, Real Thing Patriots podcast to be the place you come where you don't have to listen to all that other stuff. And uh, we're going to do this show here, wrapping up, obviously, on the, the exciting game a week ago with Houston Texans. We'll get into the Carolina Panthers. My guest this week is a former teammate of mine, Charlotte resident, guy that lives down there, sees the team a lot himself now, Ken Walter, former punter here with the team. Uh, and uh, going to give us some interesting insight on some of the special team stuff going on, which uh, is, again, a little quirky inside stuff that you don't often get on other shows. But I thought Ken would be a perfect guest, a guy who knows that team but also can speak a little of some of the stuff you saw on last week's tape against the Texans. As I mentioned before, and I'll sort of full disclosure this out here before we dive into the tape stuff, I did sort of have that moment like where I think a lot of people have where I you know, had to weigh whether or not we were going to do anthem talk here on this podcast, but I, I sort of wanted this to be the place where uh, you could get away from it, right? And and I've certainly made my feelings on a lot of stuff known on Twitter, so I figure it's already there. Um, this is long form. Maybe I could get a little deeper into it, but maybe that's not what you want to hear. So in the event that it ever becomes, I guess in my view, important enough to, to do a whole show on that, we'll do it so that you can click away from it if you want to. You can do a show where you can just listen to that stuff, and I certainly have opinions on it, but um, I want this to be a show more about review of the last week's game and looking ahead to the new one. Uh, and, you know, me and my, my buddies with the other FBF guys, uh, Brady Quinn and Brady Papinga, we talked about that a little in the week. And it was like, initially, hey, let's do a CTE show and, and it'll get into all this crazy news with, with Aaron Hernandez. And you know what? That thing got just squashed and overshadowed quickly with the anthem stuff. And then it's like, oh, should we, should we do an anthem segment? And I think a lot of people are, are finding that other places. And, and this is meant to be sort of an end-of-the-weeds kind of show on what's going down, and we spend too much time with that. It takes away from time we can talk about the game. So this is your place for that. Let us dive in. Okay, so now looking back at the Texans game, uh, a little unique quirk from this week. Uh, I did dive into uh, a little Twitter question stuff, as as was recommended by, by one of the followers to FBF, that, hey, why don't we just go ahead and take a peek at you specifically taking a look at stuff that we want to see, right? And rather than just my sort of broad review, if there's some specific stuff you wanted me to keep an eye on as I do my All-22 review, I'll do it. I'll note it. Uh, and I'm going to kind of roll through sort of the list of questions that were thrown at me. And rather than sort of answering them individually, just look for that kind of content as we dive in. Some of it was just, uh, and we'll go. Here, I'll go through my list quickly. And then as we dive into sort of the, the breadth of the game, uh, I'll make sure that I'm including this stuff. It's all in my notes. So Nate Solder's overall performance at left tackle. Obviously, that was a concern for a lot of people. Short yardage approach overall. Devin McCourty's overall play. Edge rusher play for the Patriots. Malcolm Butler's overall play. The return game improvement. Punt return specifically with Danny Amendola. We'll definitely get into that. How to control a mobile quarterback. You know, obviously, there were some failures with that a week ago. And will that method change against Newton? Or was it Watson just being too good? Uh, what do the Texans do well against the Patriots that others might replicate? And, you know, we'll get into that when we start talking about the Panthers and what I think they're seeing this week and what they might try to go after. Defensive pick play improvement, obviously a big issue against Kansas City. Uh, it became a little more, you know, I think I feel like they feel like they've handled it a little better against the Saints. And what portion of that uh, continues, to, uh, continues to show up? Is it still there? 
Uh, how did Chris Hogan get so open on those two plays? We'll talk. We'll touch on that. O line run blocking against the Texans front. Uh, opening kickoff for the Brandon Bolden play. I mean that that to me is is yeah, the special team stuff we never get to talk about. This is a show where you'll you'll hear more of it. So let's do it. Let's dive in. I'll try to make sure that sort of more organically rather than just walking through those with answers. I'll make sure that I'm touching on them as we go through the entire game. So this is really just meant to be revisiting my notes from the All-22 and trying to highlight some stuff you otherwise might not have seen. So I touch on this as, as you start into this game and, and knowing that you know one of my good buddies, Larry Izzo, uh, you know, sort of a sidecar partner for a lot of the stuff that we did well as special teams group for all those years of the Patriots, uh, you know, is a guy that I have a tremendous amount of respect for, and he's now – Special teams coordinator for the Texans, and uh, you know had obviously a big, a big task ahead of them going on the road and coming in here and you know trying to find a player two or three to break things open, create some some additional offense for that uh, for that Texans group. You know, obviously knowing that they're coming in with a rookie quarterback and Deshaun Watson, I think by and large uh, there were some extremely good positive plays from the Texans special teams group relative to punting because Shane Leckler has a nuclear leg. Shane Leckler is old as balls. I mean, I I was I remember shielding Shane Le- Shane Leckler off of uh, the fumble in the snow game uh, that Larry pounced on, sort of towards that final drive, uh, you know, fourth quarter kind of thing. I, Leckler was in the league as a young guy when I was in the league, <laughs> and, and he's still playing. So, and the, not just playing, not just out there holding the uniform and, and still kicking. He's still kicking seventy yard punts. It's insane. So I, he was a, a really Good factor for them, by and large. There were a couple flip field flipping things that we'll get into here in more detail as we walk through. Uh, but but overall, I think the punt portion, just because that dude's leg is so sick, um, they 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 had some pluses in that area that the Patriots probably could have wished that they could have taken more advantage of. But Leckler is a weapon that you just kind of can't get past. Um, so, well, again, we'll start here on the, the opening play. This is uh, opening kickoff. Uh, Patriots, as we've, as I've mentioned many times before, have one of the best kickoff guys in the league, in Stephen Guskowski. And again, side topic here from field goal kicking. Again, I still think he's one of the top guys in that. He's just got a rare leg. But the portion that matters most when we start talking about kickoff stuff is the amplitude, so his ability to really hang it up high. It's like punts a little bit. I mean, it's tougher to do off the ground. But the higher you keep that thing in the, you know, the higher it goes, the longer you keep it in the air. Obviously, just intuitively, you would understand that people cover more ground. It's up there. You're running fast, right? Kick flat ball. You know, the coverage teams may be as many as 10 yards further back than a better ball. And what Giskowski does is hang it. That's A. And B, his placement's usually perfect. So if you ask him to put it, you know, between the numbers and sideline, he can put it there without kicking out of bounds, usually. Uh, between the hash and numbers, you know, basically he's a pick-your-spots guy who has hang and then can also bomb out of the back if he needs it. So he's sort of a pick-and-choose guy. He's like a lot of a lot of kickers, you know, it'd be like driving, you know, be, uh, going, to the, going to the driving range with one club. Got me, Guskowski is one of those dudes that's got, you know, he's got a, he's got a two iron and he's got a five hybrid, whatever, and he's got a driver. He can, he can manipulate it and that's what makes him so good. And why does that matter? Because when he forces you to bring it out, but with big hang and that opening kickoff is a pretty example, really, real nice ball, uh, hangs it up and puts it right at that area where it's been up long enough and you sort of have to make a decision about bringing it out and you're kind of rocking a hard place. So you do, it's the kind of ball that you're sort of want them you're baiting them to bring it out so i also understand when we're talking about right-footed kickers right kicks to a kicker's right 
a little harder to get distance, right? Usually they come across the ball. That's why you see, uh, you know, if you're a right-handed golfer, you, you'll, your, your best distance ball will be a, a draw, right, back to your left side. So same thing with a right-footed, right-footed kicker. When you, when you kick the big draw, the big ball left, or the big ball at least down the middle, that's the deeper ball usually. Uh, sometimes these guys pop it up right in their right-footed kickers. You lose some distance, but he's able to hang it. Guys cover better and you can get them kind of pinned back. So really good example here of a right kick from a right kicker, uh, right-footed kicker. Uh, Brandon Bolden, who's one of their best special teams dudes, is on the backside, I believe, at three, uh, the L3. So the way kickoffs are counted is you count the outside guys on both sides are one, and you count back to the kicker. So the outside guys, which are often the safeties, but sometimes they hide the safeties. Safety meaning you, they drop off and play sort of second level on the kick coverage team. But ones, two, three, four, and five. All right, there's five and five, usually each side of the kicker. You can do six, four, but it, it counts from the outside end. Well, Bolden was a backside three, right? In other words, a right kicking, so he's on the left side three, which is usually right around the numbers. He plows down the field. Uh, the, this, this to me was sort of a, hey, here's how you appreciate Brandon Bolden kind of play. And I, I put the gif up on uh, a thing earlier this week sort of highlighting the play uh, to help you appreciate it. But talking through what it is he's doing, usually you're sort of a secondary, con- secondary contain guy when you're the three. And sometimes when you're away from the kick, uh, if you're a backside guy, they're almost meant to fold over. In other words, you're not beating everyone down because the guys on the right side are running more of a straight line. You're angling across the field, so you've got to run further. So it's expected that you'll be behind a little bit. But Bolden runs well, obviously. Andy's a strong dude. It's a great example of him bucking actually a bigger man. Runs through number 52, who's settled. He's, you know, he's one of the frontline guys. He's dropping back. He's got Bolden. And Bolden contacts him, runs him five yards, puts him on his back, and then swipes the feet, makes the tackle at around the 21-yard line. So it's, you know, you'll often see lots of tackles around the 20s, several inside. Those are big plays. But you usually don't see them where guys run through tacklers to get inside 20. Usually the run-through tackler is more of like a 25 kind of thing. It's hard to run through and still get deep. Uh, so just, again, it's, it's, it really is it's subtle. I know maybe, it's, maybe I just spent three minutes on something you don't give a rat's ass about, but appreciate Brandon Bolden. That is a, a, a rarish kind of play when you put a, a linebacker on his back, You know, a guy that's probably a little heavier than Brandon, on his back, make the play on the returner from the backside. That's special. That's why he's on your team. That and the, sort of obviously the versatility to come in and do running back stuff if need be. But appreciate that. That is really good stuff. Great kick. Great coverage by him. So as we head into this thing, uh, you know, I wanted to cover all sides. And I don't want this to be just a, hey, here's what happened in this play. Here's what happened in this play. Here's what happened in this play. And, and end up an hour later and you're... You're bored out of your mind, but more just talk about this in relation to what's going on now and in relation to Carolina. So rather than do two segments, I'm going to preface each of these comments with, hey, here's what happened there, and here, here might also be how it's relevant. So this is sort of to tie all the thoughts together as, so it's not just so much a here's the Texans, here's the Panthers kind of thing. And we'll get into that stuff more specifically with Kenny later. So on the first Pats D series, uh, this is actually, in my view, sort of a a really good example of what I thought the game was more going to go like. And they had some really good defensive series early, and that's therein therein lies the problem. It certainly didn't look like that the rest of the day. But I I think as this relates to Carolina, who's going to be more of a run first group with Christian McCaffrey, he's going to be more of a run first group with James Stewart, uh, the quarterback who likes to run as well uh, and he's down a bunch of a bunch of weapons with Greg Olson out and now and now also his big uh, other big wide receiver's name I'm blanking on right now to come to me later but the point of this is down weapons offensive line that 
purportedly is sort of a block first kind of crew uh, and and weapons who come from the backfield, you have to expect, I think, more like what we saw in this first series against the Texans. The Texans have had a harder time running the football. The, the Panthers are just better at what I think a lot of the Texans want to do. And they keep the read element in there a little bit more. Uh, so what you saw in that first series was a uh, really good job on the edge by, by, uh, by flowers. Uh, and I think Trey flowers is really an interesting case here in this game because he played both outside linebacker as a standup guy. So he's, you know, a three, four, I should mention that they played a series and came back to it throughout the day at base three, four. We don't see that a lot. And flowers is the kind of guy that could play defensive end. He could slide inside and play end and have an outside linebacker outside of him, but he stood up. So it allows them to put their three bigger dudes inside and let flowers play one side. I think Cassius on the other, or maybe it was no, it was Van Noy on the other and then use, you know, two regular inside guys. Uh, and they were really good at that and they get a three and out here, right. To start things off. Um, uh, you, let's see. Let's see. Uh, Flowers also got the scramble sack of Watson as a dropper. That was interesting. You know, you always love those guys. You've seen Flowers put together so many good rushes through these first three games. Uh, but occasionally, unfortunately, he, uh, you know, you put a good effort out there and you don't get a stat for it. This is one of those situations in that same series where they used him as a dropper. And then once they scrambled, Watson's out in space and, and, and Flowers gets to be the close guy. kind of feels like a cheap sack, but when you know he's missed so many other opportunities where great rushes didn't get him one, it's kind of one of those you, you certainly take it in, in a hot minute. Uh, one of the things here to pay attention to as you go forward into this next game, uh, and it became an issue later in the game, quite frankly, uh, is is pocket control, and that goes back to one of the one of the one of the followers' questions from the Twitter account. Uh, this idea of how do you contain these guys that are so crazy athletic and get away? I'll first say this from watching a little bit of the Panthers thus far. Newton is an extra. Ex- Extremely rare athlete, and that he's able to move the wake and as big as he is, but he's not as sudden, he's not as fast as Deshaun Watson. At least he doesn't appear that way on tape. Um, so I don't think the the insane make five guys miss a sack thing that we saw uh, against the Texans will necessarily show up here. But some of the core concepts and and ideas of containing them should be by and large the same. I just don't think they'll have as much trouble getting them on the ground. But what they tried in this first series was a two by two rush. So in other words. You get to third down, get him in a longer situation. You know the dude's mobile. You know he's got relatively limited uh, options because DeAndre Hopkins is a, is a big-time wide receiver. But Griffin is the second tight end because Fedorowicz is down and injured. A uh, running game that hasn't been terribly dangerous. Some other young wide receivers. That's sort of the mix. Look at the Panthers. You know, they're sort of in a situation where, you know, it, it's not – their top tight end guy who was one of the better in the league is gone. Your top wide receiver is now injured. Uh, you've you've got some sort of more modest uh, guys in the outside, youth and experience, and your backs are kind of your best players. So I think this will be a similar plan. Two by two, in other words, you're, you're doing a four-man rush. You're rushing two guys each side of center. So it sort of stays balanced left and right of him. But Van Noy is uh, rushed, spying over the nose is what we would call it. We used to do this with Willie McGinnis. Brewski was great at this. Raves from time to time. I was not the defense coordinator for the Texans, but being the guy that's off the ball that would otherwise be like a fifth rusher, but he doesn't add in. So he's kind of a low rat player if there's a low crosser of some sort, or if it breaks up the middle between those twos, the two by two, then he gets to be the tackler. Um, and in this instance, it was a nice cover uh, by Jonathan Jones. He was tight to the route. Uh, Van Noy sort of steps up over the nose as as Watson wants to get out. 
and it contains a pocket. That was a nice plan. I like that. They didn't necessarily use it throughout the rest of the day. And Watson also juiced up some of his, his escape attempts and was just untackleable at times, if that's even a word. But uh, that was the approach then. I think it'll resurface here this week, so we'll just keep an eye on that. Uh, here's what. <laughs> here's one of the... The, the, the sort of special teams wins in a big one that shouldn't be overlooked in this game. It came after that first series. 65-yard punt by Leckler. Bomb. This dude's old again. I said, he's old balls. Like, this guy's been out there forever. Uh, he's got a tremendous leg. One of the best in really the history of this league. He's a guy who can kick at 80, no problem. Uh, 60 used to be long in my head, but this guy, he'll kick a, a long balls. <laughs> a long ball, excuse me. And when we got Kenny on later, he'll talk a little bit about what's special about Leckler. But uh, what doesn't work here in this instance is when you get those 65 yard balls uh it's hard to it's hard to hang up a 65 yarder they're usually flatter meaning the returner's way far away from the coverage means he's got a lot of space between them too and this pump return by Danny Amendola on that play was a 33 yard return ends up with a 32 yard net and why is that important yeah it's great you kicked it 65 but you gave a lot of space for them to set up the return, and the Patriots had a nice one. They actually didn't do great against the gunner. They had a gunner that they had a double on, and it's kind of one of those things that has always irritated me because a guy can run out of bounds. You can push him out of bounds, block him great, but that's that whole run out of bounds for you know 15 yards thing. And then when they come back in, well, now they're rolling, and they're able to stack the blockers who were kicking your butt before then. So that was a situation where the gunner, although knocked him knocked out of bounds and sort of getting dominated, got back in and stacked, in other words, outran the one guy and the double that was still close to him, and ends up affecting the play. Why that matters, I think you're you see the difference of, of Danny Amendola back there with space catching the ball. Because even though that gunner got to him early and first, made missed. Made the first guy miss. You ever see a good punt return? You ever see one that needs, you know, that that you're gonna be pleased about how it turned out. The, the returner has to make the first guy missed. You, you know, you'd love to see that your double side keeps that guy 30 or 40 yards away from the returner. It didn't happen here. The double guy got down the field, but Danny made him miss, and that's so big, it usually tells you what's to come next. If it's picked up, can be something special. Uh, they had a little bit of a wall sort of situation going. Uh, some guys really got back on their blocks, did a nice job. But again, ends up being one of the more explosive plays offensively, we can call it. Uh, important there because of what then the offense is able to do on the rest of that drive. So nice work there. Um, and again, sort of the point I'm making with the special team stuff is you can imagine here, you end up with a 32-yard net because of the length of the kick, space between it, return you get back. Had you just kicked a 45-yarder and, and tried to hit the moon, net of 45, you gain back 13 yards by just forcing a fair catch at a shorter kick. And most of these guys can do it. So there is a risk, although it sounds kind of weird, of kicking a tremendous ball, <laughs> if that makes any sense. So moving on here, Pat's first offensive series. Um, this is weird, and I think this is one of the things that if you're, you know, they went 36-33 to 33 in this game. We all know how it turns out as we plow through this. But one of the things here that that irritates Bill, I know, is that they like to be ready to go. They, are, they pride themselves on how well they prepare, how they want to put pressure on the other person to sort of get ready and get set. And Houston's defense was actually flopping. They were flipping sides with an end, an end preference or a linebacker strength thing. So there was pre-snap movement when Tom was trying to get the offense set up. So that's to the offense advantage if you can go quickly. But the very first snap of the game, and I think maybe indicative of some of the sloppiness uh, that this team inevitably had, Gillisley wasn't ready to go. And it was weird. Uh, there was a big run lane available to the backside where the run had intended to go back to Solder. 
and they had it blocked really well, but Gillisley kind of had a pause step out of the snap of the ball. He kind of didn't move. Like, I, like he wasn't ready for the snap or there was some miscommunication. I don't know what it was, but it's bad look. And, I, and I'm not blaming Gillisley. I don't, maybe it was supposed to be on a different count. I don't know, but he, he did not appear ready. For some reason, that play, how, how you come out and start that way, obviously I know Coach Belichick is, is going to be pissed about that. But, and then you put yourself in a, in a third and ugly situation. It ends up being a negative play. You're on the first drive of the, of the game, big, big contest, and you're in third and 12 right off the bat, right? And that's what's so crazy about this game. They get a big 44-yard reception to Cooks on third and 12. Not, you know, not second and five when you're going to take a shot and get back on track kind of thing. No, they were able to get their big plays in a lot of these spots when they were in a hole. And you can't always count on that. So I know that's something that Coach Belichick will be hammering. It's like, it's nice that you got it, but can we not have to rely upon 40-yard passes on third and 12 to have positive offensive series? So uh, one of the things that happens there uh, is they're covering – I don't know how to explain this without being able to visually show it to you guys. I'll do my best. But what, what, what the Patriots are doing here – is they're putting Cooks and Cooks and Hogan opposite one another. Intentionally so, so that if you play post safety, the post safety can't get to either of those two verticals. One of the two verticals is going to you know, not have any chance of the safety getting. Now the cha- post safety favors a little bit in his middle of the field drop and kind of starts to roll one way. He can maybe kind of get close if it's not a f- fade to the sidelines, if it's something that moves more up the numbers. But if you keep it outside of the sideline, and even if you know as Brady's so good, keep him looking off a little bit, and you know hold him in the middle there for a little while, throw a dart, you can't make it right. So on that big play, they got Cooks and Hogan both running verticals on the outside. So the thing that's unusual here is that they're 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 really playing off coverage. So when you get a defensive back, it's third and twelve, defensive backs pre-snap at like 10 you're thinking in your head well okay you can't run a go route on that he's way off right you'll never get on top of it but what happens is and it happened for both Hogan and Cooks and Tom just chose Cooks uh, for whatever reason he just thought he'd be the guy to blaze I guess but what happens with the defensive back is that you feel the, the receiver you know I, I get this as sort of a linebacker uh, as a, you feel if you know that you're standing on or near first down depth you feel the receiver building towards you and you're anticipating is he going to run beyond this like has he even changed his gait is he starting to lower his hips is is there a break coming here or is he building past it and all defensive backs do this all coverage players do this you sort of have a little pause like the is he or isn't he kind of moment when you know that hey under my butt is the first down depth and even though I had a 10-yard cushion you sort of let him close the cushion and what happened on that play is Cooks is building and building and building, and there's just a mild hesitation at what would be six depth, and the corner starts to squat. He starts to go, okay, this is a, a six depth you know, comeback route or something. He never fully squats. He just doesn't full speed backpedal, doesn't full speed you know, keep his, his cushion with Cooks, and it's just that stupid little t- t- uh, hesitation, and Cooks is on top of the, uh, on top of the defensive back. So you got almost a 10-yard, 8, 9, 10-yard, whatever, pre-snap cushion, and you still get run a fade on. Why? It's because of the threat of sticks depth. So it's something that I, that I touched on you know, later in the game, was tweeting about it, have talked about it throughout this week. The deep comebacks where now you get 
the guy to not hesitate as much and even like let his depth, the defensive back, go beyond first down depth so you can start hitting on these comebacks. That's gold, man. You start hitting on those, life changes. And they actually obviously got one in that final final series of the game. So that's what was happening there. It's a pretty cool thing. Uh, I, I need to touch on this because this sort of is the – the soldier topic that people are so interested in, and you know it's hard for me to be critical of Nate. I love the guy, uh, friend. Uh, I have a ton of respect for him as a player. I know a lot of the stuff he's gone through. Uh, I know a lot of the – he's tough dude, you know, and I think some of the best play that guy's had in his life and some really critical big-time spots for the Patriots has been when he had other stuff going on or even times where maybe people were down on the week before and he comes out and, and, and really outplays a high-end defensive end. He had one of the toughest assignments in football this week, uh, getting a lot of clowny. And went went and merciless and uh, Watt, you know, basically the three of those guys rotating around. That's as good a threesome on the front as you'll find. And he hey, he struggled. I mean, I don't think there's really any way around it. Uh, he did. Uh, but one thing I'll say in his in his in his defense, it's not to defend him. It's still I still got to evaluate this stuff fairly. Uh, he had one of his best series blocking, and maybe this won't be any solace to anyone out there who just wants to hammer the guy. And I get it. You want to see him play well to protect Tom. But the best series of the game he had. Uh, and protection was the final one. And I think that sort of fits the script with Nate very well. Uh, he's going through something right now. I don't know if it's physical. I don't know what it is, but he is struggling a little bit. And he's giving him some up. And on that first series, they had issues with gaming, which is, you know, the guys picking you to sort of have a twist come back to the guard. So the guy's diving into your gap as the tackle between yourself and the guard. And you're getting picked, so you can't get back to yours. But I would say as much as just an innate thing, the relationship between Tooney and Nate. Um, and Joe Tooney, I don't believe had made, well, I would say easily didn't have his best game either. But a lot of the attention goes to Nate, and, and he deserved it. You know, he didn't have his best game, didn't have a good game. I shouldn't say not best. He didn't, didn't play well, not up to his standard. Uh, but Joe Tooney and Nate had relationship issues. So some of those that were – two-man stuff not passed off well and they kept continuing to get gapped so again it sounds like a, a silly thing if you step away and say yeah but they scored 36 points you had to have protection at some point I think they they got into a better situation when they started chipping on the edges uh, using the backs to protect and release using the tight ends to edge protect and release and it's it is what it is they needed it on this day and it saved them and uh even that said, there were solo moments on that final drive where it was just everyone's tired, soldiers got to get wins against Clowney, and he did, and they won. And so, you know, tip of the cap on that. But I think it's at least something to know about Nate that uh, he's a tough dude, and he's not not aware when he's screwing up. Uh, but you often see when he's been challenged, some of his best stuff come out, and I'm hoping we continue to see that here in, in coming weeks. But it was a rough one, you know, giving up guys on inside moves, from giving up power rushes, from giving just quick slap hands and turning the corner. I personally don't know and shouldn't say uh, if he's dealing with anything physically, but to my eye, I just don't know what's going on. Like, it just doesn't look like the dude I know, and it might just be rust and forget about it. But I, I know that organization believes in him. I know what his highest end, his highest high end is. And it's pretty damn good, and you know we'll just we'll just keep an eye on this, uh, and and you know like all people hope that it gets better, but uh, fortunately because there's some ways to screw with your scheme, you can you can weather that if a guy is struggling by firming up the edges with back with back chipping. So um, I thought one of the funniest things of the game. And this came in early here, obviously, but when when Gronk was missed on that first tight end option, correct? You guys will remember they they go to Gronk. Uh, deep in the red zone on that first drive. It's a little bit high, but the defensive back makes a nice play to it. 
You can see it on the TV copy as well as the, as the coach's copy. Defensive back starts into a little celebration. And on that particular play, safety's it's not post-safety, but he's right in the middle of the field because you're down so low. Basically in a spot where he's not going to be able to get to any fade. Now they've got an overhand guy, in other words, a linebacker or somebody on the outside that if you know he sagged a little bit, he could maybe help if it were an inside slant to Gronk. So you maybe have sort of an intimation, a pre-snap from Tom that you know the inside stuff might not be available. Let's keep him as far away from the safety and far away from the backer as possible. That's why they do the fade stuff. Uh, doesn't work. Um, but what was amazing to me on that, or I more just got a chuckle out of it, is while the celebration's going on, you know, Gronk is just charging back to the huddle. And I don't know if it's communication between the two of them or something Tom saw, but they just went right back to it. I mean, maybe maybe he was just pissed because he saw him celebrating <laughs> the defensive back. Like, oh, you think he got this? Okay, great. Tom puts a better ball on him. It's not as high. It's really just shoulder height and back shoulder again. Uh, but he got the exact same look. And I wonder if, you know, maybe if the coverage look had been slightly different, he makes a different decision. Maybe if they, they favor the safety over there to let you know, hey, they like that guy down here and they'll double him now. Or the sagging linebacker is a little further out, you know, or something, you know. But it wasn't. It was a little bit cocky to say, okay, we got that now, so we don't even need extra. Well, we put him in ISO and, you know, Gronk put him on TV. So that was that was, that was was sweet. It's, un, it's indefensible. I mean, when, when that ball is right and Gronk separates for just that one millisecond, that window out away from his big old body, it's almost impossible to defend. And uh, when those guys are clicking, you see what you saw. So, all right, well, moving on now here, the second Pats defensive series. I think this is really uh, one of the things that sort of jumped out to me. You'll know that you'll recall that this this ends in a field goal, so it's points for the Texans. It's the big Gilmore penalty, which uh, ends up being like you know huge chunk of, of yardage, whatever the hell it was. Uh, one of the biggest things, if you're looking for sort of takeaway themes from throughout this entire uh, game, I think well, and really season. You've had, uh, I believe the number is nine, nine plays over 30 yards throughout the course of these three weeks, which is crazy uh, high for the Patriots. I mean, last year when the Patriots were holding teams to near league-leading or league-leading amounts of points per game, it was a really minimal amount of these plus 30 plays. I I believe, I hope I'm not blowing this stat up, uh, but something to the effect of it was into, I believe, week 10 or later until they hit this same number of nine that they've now have through three. So they're way behind schedule on screw-ups, essentially. Um, and in this bigger game, the, the Gilmore play, I don't even know if that even counts in the three that they had in this game, but it ends up with a big chunk of real estate. The coverage was good. I personally would rather the the ref keeps the flag in the pocket because in those moments when you're throwing into double team and yes, there's contact incidental is sort of argumental argumentative there, but hands are up on shoulders. He gets up his hand and does like a little grab, but you know, I, 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 Patriots fans are going to maybe not want that call, but I think it was probably the right call. You just can't have that contact, especially when you're down in double, but just the awareness wasn't great there. Um, but one of the things that, that really stood out to me in that drive was Adam Butler. And again, this just keeps happening. I'm not, you know, we went through that list of questions on the front end of things I was supposed to pay attention to in my notes. I didn't, Adam Butler on the list. A lot of people were wanting to know what's going on with Dietrich Wise. He's making a lot of noise. Adam Butler, man, this, the, between the two of those guys, you really got to feel good with what you got. Now, again, people are going to say, yeah, but we're getting, you know, we're like last in the league in yards and we're last in the league defensively and, and this, that, and the other. 
these are these are guys who are really going to be good players for you. And I think the biggest issue you have right now for your defense is the, all the parts fitting together. It's not that you don't have good parts. So they're going to flesh this out. They'll work this out. I'm not predicting anything until November, to be honest with you. It might still be rough until then, until they get better at this. But I bring up Adam Butler because he's not just a hustle guy. You know, He's not just an energy pass rusher, lighter defensive tackle. His press inside is really good for – you know he's not 300 pounds anymore. He lost weight to get a little more – little more sort of agile at his position he is really making plays he is pressing people down the line he's great in pursuit he's aggressive uh adam butler is a player and i think that's exciting when you find an undrafted dude a vandy guy like that that has played a lot of sec ball walks right in and he's somebody that earns high reps for you because that dude can play very positive shows up a lot there on that second series second patriots offensive series this has been disappointing, and I'm not going to lie. Uh, you know, I, I put a little snarky tweet out there last week because I've heard a lot of people sort of oh, bemoaning uh, you know, the, the lack of pass roll for Dwayne Allen, and I get it. Uh, I think people thought he'd catch a lot of balls like he did in Indy. Uh, I was looking at him as more as an algae crumpler. You know, come in, thick body, thick lower body guy, be sort of the blocking beast, occasionally catch some check down balls, you know, maybe end up as a 20 or 25 catch guy by the end of the season, but not like a huge part of the catch portion of the offense. He, they missed on him twice, uh, you know, and you drop an out route that, that probably should have been caught early. That was a nice, nice change up to go to him because obviously you're not getting a lot of attention. I think they really need that pressure release. I need, he needs to make a play or two a game. You know, he does, just got to be one or two. Uh, but you, you wonder at what point Brady starts to get frustrated with that and just shut the valve off and not go, not go back to it because both of those two attempts, I think were both first half attempts and, Again, I don't want that to paint his entire game. He blocks incredibly well. He's really great at shutting down and then turning the edges. Uh, I think there are a lot of opportunities in the run game that haven't been tapped into yet that really go through him as an edge blocker. Him and Gronk together can really move stuff. Him and Solder together really move edges. That, I think, is where the Gillisley stuff is going to need to go. And he's a, he's going to be a valuable guy. The two tight end offense is good with him. I just I, I, I'm, I think I'm starting to become like a lot of people where I just want to see one check down a game. I just want to see one little out route, one little option route on the inside, one little six-yard completion to move the sticks a little bit maybe a first down conversion here and there. They haven't had any of it. And I think that's we're getting to the point where I hope they don't give up on it because it really opens things up for everyone else. If they can just get a couple of those to keep people honest, again, it's something we should we should all kind of keep an eye on. Um, and on that same series, uh, there was there was the third and four Hogan jerk route, which comes up short and ends up causing a punt. Uh, those fr- I know frustrate the team quite well. And overall, Hogan has an awesome day today. So it's it's weird to point out you know just one negative, but. He ran his jerk route at about three yards with the defensive back off at maybe six. So he, the defensive back he had a little bit off of, of sticks depth. So he had the space to build right up on top of the sticks, run the jerk or option or whatever they're calling the particular one he was running, but where he starts in one way and goes the other. Uh, ran it great. You know, it was a great route. He obviously had faked the defensive back out, but he ran it at three yards. So he ran it a yard in front of the, the marker. And it's not like the defensive back was standing on stick steps, so he couldn't get to stick steps without contacting him. Now he just, he, he's, he dropped early. And, you know, it's easy for me to critique it. I never had to do that, obviously, as a job. But you see it, and just from experience, I know that go, Coach Belichick's going to hammer that. It's like, hey, man, the, the only reason we're out here is to get to those sticks, get to stick depth. And, and unfortunately, in that event, catches it, but 
your yard short. Um, so the Pats defense's next series here, uh, a really nice job by Alan Branch, and I thought it was important to, to sort of point that out because you had the couple down weeks where the role went kind of away. Uh, I thought one of the some of the best sort of vintage Alan Branch where he just kind of stands up and manhandles a guy. You can see the rest of the line press, and it's everyone's around the line of scrimmage, maybe with any yard of it. There was great ones there where he just stands him up, makes him take a bucket step, makes the back take a cut. He doesn't want to cut. And I think on this the particular play I'm thinking of, it was meant to be an outside run, but because Branch just stacks him so much, just picks his chest up, pushes him back a yard. The back sees that sort of in his periphery and says, nah, I'm not going to go outside because that is going to make me bow too much. I'll just plunge up inside. And then it becomes a nothing run. So I saw enough there and some other stuff we can maybe reference later. But Alan Branch is back, I think. And I think that's positive, especially coming into this week where you're going to see more inside run with James Stewart and uh, you know some, some attempts to pound it, even some of that with a, with a big old quarterback trying to fall forward. So I think Branch is back and part of that rotation, and that's good. Uh, Pat's often – well, here's the other one. The field flipping play. So this is what I was talking about about Izzo and how my buddy had to be pretty pleased with some of the stuff they put out there. This was insane. A 68-yard punt from the from the Texans' own 26, a great stop by the defense early. And again, at that point of the day, they, the Pats' defense was, was still doing pretty well. 68-yard punt, almost 70 yards from their own 26, ends up at the other six with no return. That's ludicrous, right? So that in and of itself is like, you know, like – to, I don't know. It's 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 as a, it's as important as a big sack. It's as important as an interception almost. I mean, you're getting back, I don't know, 25 yards there more of of net than most people are getting. Uh, and 25 yard plays are some of the biggest plays in a football game. You love to have 25 yard plays. He's got extra 25 yard plays just on the edge of his toenails. So Leckler was a weapon in that day. Yes, they took advantage of the big one earlier. There were other times here where he was just sort of a one man wrecking crew. And again, sort of tip of the cap to to a weapon like that. Patso, though, no, backed up. This is uh, this was a messy series to the Patriots. They're not going to feel good about this one. Uh, good run, though, actually, on first down. And I think the, the, the frustrating part is you walk away from this and say, wow, they really didn't get Gillisley going. I think, I think the number's four, maybe four or five of Gillisley's five or more yard carries in the game. Uh, he had This was a good drive start, good little chunk play to start things off. And it's like, okay, that's what they're going to be. Um, they can do that. They've got it in there. But I think Gillisley's overall yard per carry ends up poor because there's, you know, if there's five of the six yard carries, then there's a whole bunch of ones. Uh, a whole bunch, but a handful enough of them to where it kills a number, right? And then you end up saying, oh, he's a two or three yard per carry guy. He must not be very good. They got to stop these negative plays because there's opportunities in the run game. And I think that's the biggest thing that has to change for this group going forward. Tapping into more of that. They, they left a lot of, I believe, run yards out on the field against this Texans front. Even though it's good, it's a good way to settle them down. And some missed opportunities there. This next play, that's when uh, Gillisley uh, tripped or inadvertently so Brady. Brady falls down. Next thing you know, they're just trying to get out of the series. Backed up, and you get a 36-yard punt. Ryan Allen, Mr. Consistency all year, big leg himself, hangs it, places it, does good stuff. That punt ends up leading to uh, this Ellington touchdown. Not the punt leads to it, but they give him great field position. This is the next uh, two-play drive, which you hate. You get sort of backed up. They get the ball at midfield. Uh, First play was uh, a big play to Miller, a little quarterback from Ohio State. Runs it over, nice drive starter, and it came off play action, which sort of really sucked up the linebackers and safety, whoever was involved there on the second level, and Miller's wide open. Uh, nice little little chunk play for them. 
And then the next play, and this is really one of the biggest plays of the game that we should acknowledge and, and talk about. It's important because of how good uh, I think Deshaun Watson is. And I know that coming in, they didn't do anything the week before against Cincy. But short week, uh, first real start for the guy. He was markedly improved in this game, and I think it's less. I think as the, I reviewed it and went through my notes, I kept coming away with less thoughts about bad defense and more thoughts about wow quarterbacking. Right. Uh, so this particular play, the first touchdown that Watson throws to Ellington, uh, what is going on here is he's doing a Tom Brady high level look off the middle of the field safety to pull him to create a backside window kind of thing. We've seen Brady do it so many times. It's why other quarterbacks try to look you off with arm and sh- or with shoulders and eyes, and many are not as, as good with it but because it's not believable. So you can kind of call BS in your backpedal or in your drop and not quite go for it. He sold it. He started to turn his shoulders completely, eyes, shoulders, head, towards uh, DeAndre Hopkins, who was running down the Patriots' sideline. That's sort of the, the vertical element, the guy that you're scared about, the guy that gets the most attention. And Devin McCourty is right in the middle of the field, and he was moved. He was moved by the quarterback. You had to honor it. He's turning back to the number one target, holds it, holds it, holds it, enough to where McCourty's taken multiple strides, three, three-ish strides, I think it was. So now he's out of the middle of the field. He created the hole that he wanted to throw into. Ellington runs a little skinny post or seam route of some sort, whatever that was. The, the coverage by Jonathan Jones – we're actually really good. Uh, and the amazing thing to me is that McCourty actually gets back in the frame. And I think it's a, it, it's a credit to how freaking athletic that dude is and how good his recovery is because uh, the Hogan play later in the game on the Patriots on offense, similar thing where the route and the quarterback move the safety. And the safety never gets back anywhere in the screen. This, as much as it may come off as what is McCourty doing, we got moved. And you, and you have to honor it. You have to go with it. And I, I thought it was really more impressive that his range made him anywhere near the, the, the play. Uh, you really are, are, are banking on that the, the, the one-on-one cornerback has to make the play because the safety's not going to make it back. That's just a really big-time throw, big-time uh, sort of post-snap work by the quarterback. And he kind of just tipped the cap. There's not like some different coverage to run. There's not some change in personnel. I think Jonathan Jones is the guy you want covering that route. I think McCourty's the guy you want in the middle of the field. That's tough, and he made a big-time throw, one of the better ones you really would have seen all weekend any quarterback. So moving on here, uh, I would say that as we got out of sort of that sequence and the Patso got back into it, this was some of the sloppier stuff we saw in the game. There was, there was whoopsie, there was some stuff that went on later uh, and that you like, stuff you don't like. This was the really ugly series of the game. After the touchdown – uh, the big uh, drive starter for uh, for for Gronk, that little seven cut, which is uh, oh, let's see if I put this here. It basically, yeah. So basically, it was the big drive starter to Gronk. And when I say seven cut, what that means is sort of the flag route you'd call it in high school, or where you start up the field and you go towards the corner route, right? But they did it from a, a three tight end set, and that's cool as a drive starter because you get the three tight ends, you get everyone packed in, and I think people, you know, people suck up. It's hard because you don't know as a defensive player, am I about to get you know, a, a heavy run play? And it ends up being play action, Gronk's out in space. Those are tough, and I like to see these kinds of plays for Gronk. Like, it's cool when you see him wide out, spread out against the safety. We know it's a mismatch. It's cool when you see him, you know, extended from the formation and running, you know, seam routes. But I think 
the, he's most, most dangerous in, in, in traditional sets when he's in there as a run pass guy, like he's possibly about to try to plow you. He's, he's I didn't come out right, but he's, he's in there to, to try to, to bench press you, to, 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 to set an edge for the offense, to, to, to double up to the second level, do his regular run blocking stuff. And then he pulls his hands out and he's way into the secondary. That is so hard because he's such a legit threat to do one or the other. Ends up being a huge play in the game. Then came the clowny sack against Soldier. Kills it. It just, just wasn't good protection. I don't know. You don't need a breakdown on that. But if you want to go back and look at that one, it just, just wasn't a good set. Um, Pat's defense next. Uh, one of the things that, that comes up here a little bit later that deserves a ton of mention is Dietrich Wise's work. And again, I, I can't I can't say enough how impressed I was with him for this simple reason. Uh, he's the one that his sort of length and his pressure, uh, getting pushed, but then knowing when to release and show the length, if that makes any sense, starts to get pushed on the guard or tackle. You can feel when their hips start to drop. But as he starts to gain ground and says, okay, you don't just push once the wall is sort of set its footings, it's there, then you got to release pressure and get yourself up and try to get in the way of the throw. He does a great job of that. And in part, he's the contact there that's forcing Watson to throw the goofy throw. Gilmore makes the awesome interception, runs it back. This was off play action. Uh, and they it had a little bit of mismatch out there. So there was – I like that that happened because that could have been a positive play. It was set up pretty well for the Texans, but because of great individual effort by your cornerback in Gilmore and by, uh, by Dietrich Wise, it ends up as a broken play. So that's big-time football. I think the defense, as much as you just are going to get for the week, remember seven of those points that the Patriots put up of this 36. Uh, seven of them they gave by, by virtue of the fumble sack thing that goes the other way. And seven of them were sensibly given to them by the Patriots' defense because, remember, you get a, you return, it ends up being an offensive series that's only 11 yards. So as much adulation as the Patriots' offense deserves, remember there are, there's, a, there's, a, there's a set of points they gave up and a set of points they were basically gifted by the defense as well. So it's not as cut and dried as just the box score. Um, but it still was a great day for the offense. Um, so one of the things, though, that, that I think you'll enjoy watching now is you sort of become a, a bigger fan or you know your eyes wide open here with, with some of these young players and get to pay attention to them more as you watch these games. Dietrich Wise, what's unique about him is they'll move him up and down the line. It's not completely unique because obviously they do that with Flowers. But what I like about him, what I think is a great sign, is I've seen him get wins, decisive wins, be a handful against not just a certain body type or not just a certain position. It's not like he just always gets him when he's you know, rushing against left tackles or right tackles or left guards or right guards or a certain body type. He's beaten everyone, and I think that's rare. Over a guard, beat him in a game or solo. Over a tackle, power him right back into Watson's lap, disrupt the play. Wise was crazy. And what the knock on him, I guess, if you want to say knock for someone that was playing so well, is that he did – struggle as a lot of guys did down the stretch of getting Watson down breaking the plays up was awesome uh it was sort of the finishing them off at the end that that really everyone struggled with so you know you're probably in the nine out of ten range there as opposed to the ten out of ten because uh you, you weren't getting them down but man gotta feel good about that guy gotta feel good about him gotta feel good about Malcolm Butler so 
I would say that uh, we need to remember here, as you go back into sort of other issues that the defense has, you know, that was sort of one of the greater questions that was given to me on the front end ahead and into this thing. If I wanted to find sort of big picture thing, can it be fixed? What's really going on? Uh, I think it's more coordination. And it's really not a different than what I said last week. I just still think they've got a long ways to go. Uh, good, you, you have a lot of times where you have good individual wins on plays and they don't cash off because of a single-person breakdown. Cal um, uh, Van Noy had a lot of good plays in this game, really did. On the big final stop, uh, the third and one that got them the ball back, does a great job of filling on short yardage, plugs it up, is part of what, what causes that stop. Ran down some plays, uh, but had his moments as an edge player where he gave up at least one edge, maybe a second, uh, where it was pretty important. Uh, this At the 11-minute mark in the second quarter, there's – 13-yard edge where Van Van Noy didn't do a good enough job there. There's the big play in the fourth quarter, I believe, with Foreman, the new back uh, from Texas, who caught one in the flat. Van Noy, you're supposed to go near arm, which means you're sort of out in front arm. He went with his back arm, reached with the wrong arm. They always tell you not to do that because in the event that you miss, you you don't have your frame there to make the tackle. So you go near arm so you can tackle and reach at the same time. little problem there, but it ends up in one of those plus 30 plays we're talking about. Um... Anyway, so this was uh, this was also the series where, unfortunately, the big uh, I'm sorry, the defensive series over there. We're going to sort of jump ahead here a little bit later in the game. Uh, the Soldier Sack that ends up being the uh, you know, the Whitney. Excuse me, it's not Soldier Sack, but the Whitney Whitney Merciless has the sack that that uh, that Clowney recovers as sort of a fumble goes back for a, a fumble return for six. Um, one thing just to peek at, and I, I wish I could be a fly on the wall just out of sort of latent curiosity here, I guess, with what they're saying, because one thing I'll give Nate a little bit of credit on just this particular play is that there was a back-end location on that play. In other words, not excuse me, not location, offset. So he's right behind the tackle and outside him even to a little bit where you, it kind of felt like he was supposed to get a chip. Um, and what that matters is if you're anticipating a chip – you kind of go a little more shallow with your with your kick step because you're expecting him to be blunted, so not as far up the field. And it looked like there was just a little hesitation there. And I'm not blaming James White. I have no idea if he was told to chip. Sometimes they can't have you chip because they need you out in the pattern quickly. But he was close enough to where it looks like if he was allowed to, he should have given him a shot, and this doesn't happen. Uh, because Nate doesn't take a great set. It looked to me like he's pausing a little bit because he thinks a chip's coming that doesn't happen, then shoots hands. They just get slapped away by Merciless, and it's a clean slap play, touchdown the other direction. Ugliest play in the game, you know, quite frankly. So I half wonder if they go back and say, hey, you're ever in near, you hit the, hit the end every single time. Or, and the, the tackle would probably tell you this, I'd almost rather you not be there. If I know you're not there, I'll take a little different kind of set. I'll aim my punch a little bit differently. I'll have better information. If there's uncertainty as he's dropping back, that can sometimes lead to it. Again, there's there's enough other examples in the game where Nate just didn't get some on his own. This one's sort of a flip of the coin where I half wonder if Ivan Fears is saying, we need to hit him as well because they did a much better job of that throughout the game. So, again, it's something we can't really know from the outside, but I think it is a factor, at least in that one play. Um 
we'll flip then again. Obviously, the Patriots are getting the ball back. They have a drive start over eight-yard run for Gillisley. That's what we want to see. That's what you want to look for against the Panthers. Drive starts, drive starts, drive starts. That front with Carolina is uh, is is crazy good. And the pursuit from the second level with Shaq Thompson and, and Tommy Davis and, and Keekley, those three can run and play and play and play. But you're going to need to get first down runs of at least four-yard chunks. You need to set this up for the play-action element later. And it can't just always be draw runs. You have to be able to set up in sets where it, they know you're coming and you still do. Uh, on this particular ser- series that we're talking about, the Gillisley drive starter was good. Um, but, you know, it, it ends up going nowhere. Uh, excuse me. Well, it ends up as a touchdown drive. It ends up as a relatively short drive. Hogan has a drop on the deep over. And it's sort of a Tom put it on him. He was going to get hit. It's a pretty good throw, pretty good route. Doesn't come down with a catch. Now this is the next play, and one that that and that one that people were sort of asking about. One of the ones, how in the hell? And I was thinking the exact same fo- thing y'all were thinking. How in the hell did Hogan get that wide open? Is this just some sort of crazy busted coverage? It was it was it a busted coverage like the Patriots themselves had against you know Tyree Kill when he's running on the sideline and there's no safety near him and the corner had stopped and you just don't know what's going on. It was Hogan something like that? And to go back and watch it, no, not at all. This, I don't. This wasn't a busted coverage. This was a sick route. And what it was is uh, Hogan runs up to whatever the depth was, 10 yards-ish, and starts to fake outside like he's going to run an out route. So there's a little jerk element. It's like a fake out and then back to the post. And the safety was over the top of him with coverage. And that little fake out worked a lot, quite frankly, like uh, like Deshaun Watson's shoulder and eyes uh, early in the game that moved moved Devin McCourty. But that little fake by Hogan with with the, you know, the defensive back that's responsible for him still with a pretty decent amount of depth on top of him. But he got him to take enough strides, two or more, and get himself completely out of position that when he jerked back and ran to the post, he was smoked. He was toast. So everyone at home was looking and saying, well, where the, where's the guy supposed to be covering him? He got faked out. <laughs> he got faked out, and he wasn't part of the play. Awesome throw by Tom. But, I mean, it's just you're hitting the opening guy. Tremendous route by Hogan. That was all. That was not all, but a big part of that was just really, really, really nice route, not not a blown coverage. He knew who he had, and that's not what you get in blown coverage. He knew who he had. He couldn't cover him. Good job there. Um, we know this uh, sort of uh, doing uh, – jump ahead here because we can't – You know, we'll be here for all day if we go every single play. I do want you to, to highlight some people you may not have otherwise been aware of. Obviously, Cassius Marsh comes up with his nice – uh, his nice first sack of the season, I believe. Uh, but he also had a nice play on third and one um, that's uh, a little bit later on. Sort of, you know, I'm jumping ahead here from the series we were just talking about with the Hogan touchdown. But Cassius does a nice job on a short yardage play uh, on a third and one of knifing in underneath, sort of going underneath the tight end or tackle block, whatever it was, but getting underneath low and then getting up vertical and getting a nice stop in the backfield. If he doesn't knife like that, the back falls forward and they get that conversion. Ends up as a nice stop. Starting to see Cassius show up, making a play here or there. Looks like a good potential player. Again, it's not a down-in, down-out, hey, we're a finished product kind of thing, but I think he's someone that fans will start to learn to love. He's, he did some good things in this game, no question. Uh, forces the, the punt before half. Um, now, jumping ahead here again to the Patriots, they get themselves in uh, – Excuse me, this this is jumping ahead to another defensive series. This was one of your ugly plays of the game, folks. And this is this is the second and twenty-two. I believe we're in the third quarter now. Second and twenty-two, and it's a scramble pass uh to Griffin, to the to the to the young tight end. 
Coverage fell asleep here. And this is sort of the, if you're trying to answer that big picture question about what went on in the back end, how did they, you know, how were the breakdowns happening? What was it really all about? That's one of those perfect examples where the initial coverage call, good. Four yard, you know, four seconds in, five seconds in, everyone's locked where they need to be. There are no options. Uh, Griffin is, uh, excuse me, Watson is forced to run. Um, but on that particular play, coverage just fell asleep. They covered him well in the traditional sense of the call, but once it became several scramble rules, someone had looked back into the backfield, and I don't recall the defensive back that was responsible there as I'm looking at this now, but Griffin sl- slips out the back and ended up an- with another one of these over 30-yard plays. On what down in distance? Second and 22. Those are killers, man. And that, that to me, is sort of a, a microcosm thing with this defense throughout the day. You got to second and 22 because you did some really good stuff, but you, you didn't finish it off. And that's kind of where this team sits. There are good things on their tape. There is plenty of potential with the group. You won't be mad about them in December. I can guarantee that. They'll, they'll, st- they'll be a, a, a plus for this team kind of group. But they're not there now because of these kinds of mistakes. Um, we already mentioned sort of the Van Noy wrong arm thing, reach on the back, then ends up being the 34. That's another one of your big, big plays. That series ends in a field goal late. Uh, now we're all moving on here into the fourth quarter. Obviously, uh, some stuff has happened. Plenty of stuff has happened between our, this last conversation and now. But throughout that sort of stretch, a lot of good coverage by Malcolm Butler, a lot of good coverage by Devin McCourty. A uh, lot of good, you know, I'm saying just shutting down middle of the field, making it so that Watson's got to make more check down options or intermediate stuff. I think by and large, it was a pretty good day for Chung overall. It was a pretty good day overall for, for McCourty. He gave up the touchdown to Griffin. I understand that. But I think uh, overall, there was a lot of positive stuff out there. I think I know that was one that sort of sits probably counter to what a lot of people thought. Uh, I didn't think of that at all. I think there's a lot of stuff he did that prevented other stuff that you may not be able to appreciate, but it was on the tape. Trust me, if you like. If not, don't. <laughs> but there's a there's a, a coverage complete incompletion at the 726 mark. Uh, big Pat's D stop late in the game. They needed it. Uh, and it was actually tremendous protection. So you're going to step away from this game like a lot of us have and remember all the scramble plays, think that that was the biggest thing going. Um, but this defensive stop at that 726 mark where you get a change of possession there late when you needed it, um, that was a coverage incompletion uh, because the protection was tremendous. The rush actually wasn't there on that particular play. It was a long pocket, six-second plus if I'm just guessing. And uh, coverage kicks in. And it ends up being a deep incompletion at a type you needed uh, at a time you needed it, and that was big. But here's the unfortunate part. The flip side of that flips to the next series. Lewis doesn't reach to the sticks, and I have that little note. Uh, Dion makes a nice little play in the flat, uh, second down thing. Uh, second down ends up being a nice chunk play that creates third and one. And I'm not doing this to to call a guy out or sort of to hammer him. It's a nice play. It's not like it was a bad play. Did a good job. But the, the next level portion of it is the old Kevin Falk thing. Who And, and again, I'm not trying to put Dion or James White out, you know, comparing you to a red jacket guy. It's more just to highlight the little things that are so important in some of these critical situations. And, and as much as anything, to give you guys some insight about what, the kind of things I'm pretty certain Bill Belichick is telling these guys. Yeah, nice nine-yard catch, Dion. Good play out in space, good quickness. But kind of a nonchalance, the wrong word, but not a sellout. Let's put it that way at the sticks. It ends in third and one because it's sort of a run out of bounds lean thing as opposed to the urgency of a dive. And that was one of those plays where you end up in a third and one and we know that they go back and fail on the third and one. 
uh, and end up in a punt situation late when it was like, man, could have really used more of an extended series there. That was one of those plays where I thought Deion Lewis probably watches the film himself and says, I wish I'd just laid out and reached, laid out and reached because we needed that conversion down. Now, of course, he doesn't know that they're, they're not going to be able to get the first down the next snap. He probably assumes as much. But the layout there, the old K-Falk move to, to get it in that moment where you need it, um, that would have been big there, and they didn't have it. So that's sort of, a am sure, a teaching moment for that team. Uh, Houston now has the ball. Two-point lead, 5.50 to go. Opportunity to close this thing out. This is when the Watson avoids five sacks plays. <laughs> Watson <laughs> runs around crazy. It's about the five-minute mark of the game. Ends up being a 31-yard play. This is just, you know, this is that other 30-yard play of the three on the game. He made five guys miss. So that tells you two things. Five guys got close, which means the rush was actually doing a great job of getting there. That was one of the better the better avoids that you'll see at the quarterback position all season makes five guys miss and completes a 31 yard pass. You kidding me? I was sick. And that was a moment where, you know, even up in the press area where I'm watching it and you can hear, Ooh, ah, uh," you know, like groans, like, Oh my Lord, just of appreciation, how good that was. So good football play. What are you going to do? Somebody's got to figure it out a way to get them on the ground. And, uh, they did not tip of the cap to the dude. Um, but here's your play of the game. Here is the most important thing that happened that really allowed, defensively anyway, that allowed that final drive to go down. Third and one. Got to have it time. All the other bad taste in your mouth. You don't like what the box score says. You don't like what the scoreboard says. You don't, you know, obviously players don't think about this, but this this defense is now going to be not ranked very well, whatever the hell that means or matters at this point of the season. But it's been a, it's been a rough day by and large. You've given up more than you want than you'd ever want to. But you have in a spot here, third and one, your defense, your offense needs the ball back. What a great wall. Go back and watch that play. Uh, Allen Branch, Lawrence Guy, Malcolm Brown. The three are big interior dudes. They put them into a goal line set, uh, had spread out receivers, were trying to draw people away from the box. Patriots didn't go for it. They gambled that it would indeed be a run and left themselves singled on the guys outside. And the three big dudes stood up the line. Branch, really nice job. His stand-up makes the back just have to sort of snail in there and try to figure out a hole. Van Noy does a really nice job there fitting from the second level. And, and with that kind of goal line front, remember, you only got one off the ball linebacker in the middle. He's basically got to pick and fill on the exact correct hole you know, so you don't just get a fall forward half of a yard, a yard or whatever. Uh, so really nice job there by Branch, Guy, and Brown and Van Noy filling behind them. Um, Again, I know that we're going to fill up the week here with concern and 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 pro clutching. That's that's too sarcastic. I'm sorry. They they've earned some 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 criticism the way the defense has played and given up given up bad plays. So there. But again, what I was was trying to get at before I sort of stepped on my own tongue was this notion of uh, that 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 the defense is a mess and it's a problem and there's issues and you know they they need to play better. But that big stop to me shows potential that there are players there and there are good enough players on this defense there is not like a guy in the 11 where I go well that guy's a liability he, he just loses too often there really isn't that I think the liability at this point of the holes in the execution less than the x player can't do it well enough or something like that so um, now here we get to the final offensive drive and we all know it as for what it is you know this is sort of the uh this is the exciting Sports Center highlight. Brady's still got it. Drive, uh, nutting up, going over, you know, pumping everyone up on the sideline, saying, you know, now we need it. Now's the time. We need the extra effort. We need the extra reach, the extra block, the whatever it is, the the little things drive to win this situation and win this game. And the reason I bring this up, 
you know, there's there's a number of different angles from which you can talk about this. How Tom's arm strength with some of the throws, the gutsiness, uh, the the ability to come back from some negative plays within that final drive. Remember, there was a fumble. <laughs> you know, they they still pulled this thing off with a fumble and something that that wasn't great. You know, there were some there were some missed opportunities already with that thing starting off. Yet they rallied within the drive to still finish the deal. This, to me, was important, and to me, this is as much of a reflection of Nate Solder as anything. For those of you out there who are really worried about him, this is when it mattered most, and he'd had a rough day, and we all understand that. He blocked really well in that series, and a lot of it was just straight solo. Uh, both guys are tired. Both guys don't have much left, but Nate blocked up Jadavian Clowney essentially by himself throughout that final series, enough so that Tom could get those throws off. And, again, it's it's completely understandable to be – Concerned about that position based upon some of the other things that happened, but don't not see that part just because you're worried about the other. Biggest drive of the game against one of the best pass rushers in the NFL, and Nate held him down and kept him clean, and Tom delivered the ball. Those great balls that we saw down the field. And that, remember, this includes the, hooks come, or the, hook, the Cooks comeback, the deep comeback, that thing we've been advocating for so much. They connected on that, and that later leads to – you know, the, the, the ball that Tom fits in for the touchdown over the top with Cook. So when he starts hitting on deep comebacks, that makes them a little more bitey, a little more jumpy to get in front of those things and not allow them to happen again. And then it opens it up on top of them. So I'll stick with my hot take from the season that there's some Antonio Brown in there and that moving forward against the Panthers, we'll start to see more stuff, you know, more catch and run, more slant. And, you know, slant is a catch and run, but more maybe tear screens, more just a ways to get the ball in this guy's hands and, and working in the deep comeback to where Tom and him finally start connecting. Remember there was one that was skipped at his feet earlier in the game, but then on the game's most important drive, they connect on that kind of route and it opens up the final thing they do. Uh, so huge. Obviously you can cap tip to Tom Brady until the end of time. It was another one of his most you know, his tremendous games. Again, they had the sat they had the the strip there that that Andrews so alertly falls upon and we're not even talking about these completions. But what happened in that was a little bit of a delay blitz. Solder does get his guy blocked down inside and Tooney is helping to double back to the inside gap with Solder. Uh, the, the gap between the guard and tackle, and a little bit of delay from the off the ball comes through, and the guy just shot the gap, and Tooney didn't get off on him in time, and that provides the hit on the ball out of Tom's hands. If you know, if you're a Patriots fan, fortunately that means he hops on the thing, and you're good, uh, and you have the opportunity to finish off like they did. But really, again, it's a little thing. Andrews doesn't have that awareness, and. Uh, for what was otherwise a sloppy play, and you're just not doing this. So those are the kind of things at college you're getting a helmet sticker for in the NFL. We get game balls. I mean, it sounds like a silly thing, but he doesn't fly on that fumble on the final deal. We're not even having this conversation. Um, one last thing here, and this is sort of my final going away note. And, you know, again, I hope I touched on all the stuff that you guys were interested in hearing. I know I can't get everyone, but I hope I got the big stuff. Uh, Danny Amendola, Danny's back. And that changes things in your offense. I think I came to a little better appreciation today. Just the gutsy big-time plays they had. Multiple catches, the punt return, uh, the gotta-have-it moments, the drive starter stuff, the within-drive stuffs where you need a conversion. That's where Danny showed up. And then from there, you get your big plays with, with Cooks. You get your big plays with Hogan. You get your big Gronk plays. Danny's the guy that fills the cracks, and it's a big part of this day. Uh, it's a big part of this offense. You hope it's available to him throughout the year. And as promised, moving on to the Panthers, we're going to transition here a little bit to my buddy, uh, Ken Walters, our former punter. So here's Ken. 
And as promised, joined by my former teammate, punter, our people too, Ken Walter. It's not Walter's people. There's not an S there at the end. Ken Walter, old great punter here from uh, for our early championship days, is on the line, and he lives down in that Charlotte area, the uh, I don't know, the epicenter of the NASCAR world, from my understanding. What's up, Ken? Matt, how you doing, man? Uh, and it is Walter for, for all those uh, for all those right. um, people in, in New England. Uh, there is an A on the end of my name if if if, if you're from there. But um, so I'm glad you, I'm glad we've connected over over time here. And yes, I'm in the NASCAR kind of hub of the world. The NASCAR Hall of Fame is here in Charlotte, um, and I run into drivers. Well, they they kind of go through my legs because they're about five foot two. But I'll see drivers at the local grocery stores and things like I love, that. I love always. condescending size comments from punters. That's the best thing ever. <laughs> right there. That's perfect, buddy. <laughs> yeah, it, it's um, you know, it, it, it makes me feel good when I walk by him because I'm kind of right. like, damn, man, he is pretty small. So right. that's um, awesome. But yeah, so, hey, you were telling me a little story. You were telling me a little story off air. I thought we'd kind of share with people. I think it's this is pretty cool stuff. So you live relatively close to one of the one of the big stadiums, correct? Yep, we're literally probably about two miles um, on the same. It's Bruton Smith is the owner of of the the Charlotte Motor Speedway, and we're we're just down the street, about two miles. So when the race is going on, um, we can hear the cars from from the house when we're sitting out back. So um, it, it is pretty hectic, man. There's two hundred thousand people that pack there. But uh, when I was playing for the Carolina Panthers, they asked me to do a a thing with one of the race teams. Um, the theme was for Hot Rod Magazine was, are the pit crew guys athletes? Now, <laughs> okay. I mean, I had to go and and watch them practice and stuff. And I mean, these guys are all you know kind of overweight and all this stuff. And I'm I, you know I had to be politically correct. Sure. Um, but they suited me up in a whole whole outfit, and I worked at Coca Cola 600. Now they put me as the rear tire catcher. Now <laughs> these guys. Like the cars aren't even in yet, and they're leaning forward. Like I almost grabbed a guy because I thought he was gonna fall off the wall. But they're—I'll tell you what—they're pretty sharp with it. And I was nervous, man. I had bruises on my knees because my knees were banging against the wall. Because if I miss the tire and it goes in, you know, they can have a second penalty or two second or five second. And I couldn't believe they were giving a spectator like myself um, <laughs> right. those reins. But uh, it, it was definitely eye-opening. You, you know, you get to hear the the spotter talking to the driver and kind of seeing how everything works. So it was, it was a neat opportunity. That's awesome. So, yeah, for fans out here, I did a little intro for you before we hopped on, but obviously you live now back in the Carolina, in, in the Carolinas there, in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. You were with the Panthers for four years at the beginning of your career. Then I knew you for the three years you were with us. Those first two big championships we had together. Uh, on to Seattle after that, and you returned with the Patriots while I was <clears> – <throat> those – Years in the Jets, so we didn't. I missed you on the on the back end. But uh, one of the real reasons we wanted to have you on is we've been going from sort of market to market with the upcoming opponent and trying to get former players that really know the game well and can talk, and can speak it well. Uh, they're sort of on yep. the ground in that in that particular team. The Patriots are coming up to play. So this is really kind of a cool opportunity for me because you know it's getting a, a former teammate that was a special teams guy like myself. So we can get into the particulars, and it sort of dovetails well based upon what's been going on here lately. Uh, and you know, I, I'll talk a little bit first about the Patriots before we get into the to, into the into Carolina. But I'm going to stick with sort of 
special teams questions with them first because this is your your obvious area of expertise and you, you know you held for for AV for years for all those big years and uh you know we're our we're our punter through championship years there as well so we got two new faces now Steven Guskowski's been one of the best kickers in the league for a long time and Ryan Allen who's sort of rising up the charts uh and missed one last week and I, I think I, you could probably speak to this better than anyone he's a lefty he hits a big ball typically uh, and I think he's been sort of the model of consistency, consistency around here. So he finally misses one, and everyone's like losing it. You know, like he hits a 35-yarder, and everything's, oh, my gosh, you know, the game that Ryan Allen had. And it's like, man, do you guys realize how, you know, how regularly he does, you know, he hits his spots. So I, right. I just wanted to sort of get it from sort of your perspective, a guy that's done that for so many years, nine years in the NFL, hitting that ball. What goes wrong when, you know, you typically hit it 45 or 50, hang it up, make them fair catch the thing. What goes wrong when it goes 35? Well, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of things that are involved, but I think first and foremost, you know, you're always getting a breeze in that stadium. Um, you know, especially at home, you got the open end there. Um, you could be at any parts of the field. You can, you can feel it behind you. Um, and you want to hurry up and get the thing snapped, and then all of a sudden it whips back around it's in your face. So all the little tedious things like that. Um, but the way he's been punting the ball, and I've been following him, you know, since he's come in, and, and he spent time at my house one time when, when uh, they came down here to play, and I picked him up from the hotel, and we were just kind of chatting. Um, you know, I mean, it, you're going to get those. Um, it's people always expect a punter to just blast the thing 50 some yards and walk off the field and, you know, sit down. Uh, it's not always that easy. And, you know, having a head coach that is a big special teams guy, uh, you know, he really prepares the team. He knows that it's a, it's, it's a crucial part of the game and knowing being in those, those meeting rooms when Bill will say, Hey, look, you know, he'll give the weather report and, and, you know, look, wind's going to be 30 miles an hour. It's not an excuse, but it, it helps settle you down a little bit and just go, look, I'll just go do the best I can. So, you know, having a punt here and there, um, there, there's high expectations there in New England. <laughs> For sure. And one of the, one of the things that I always, you know, this is something that I think is subtle that, that a lot of, that you wouldn't pick up on the outside. You just wouldn't. And, and to, to be honest, until I got around all you pro, you know, kickers and punters, I wasn't that, you know, privy to it either. Uh, Giskowski is a guy who, who is a friend, plays golf. I, you know, I, I've golfed with him a handful of times. He's a dude that, uh, uh, has sometimes used that same analogy of, of kicking, uh, maybe not punting is the same, but at least with the time for his kicking job, where it's a little like a golf swing, where it's usually there for you when it's grooving, but you can have the shanks and other things just like you would with a golf swing. So I, my, here's my curiosity with that, too. So I don't think people from the outside would know this, and I certainly didn't until I got to see you guys, but there's a lot of different styles. Like there's a lot of different balls that come off people's feet. A lot of times it's the same result by and large. But you were unique in your ability to hang it up, and I'm going to say right. this in a in a joking manner. But uh, you would bring the rain, but not you know kick it right to the nearly bleeding net depth. But then that made it so we didn't get to, to get tackles. <laughs> so you, right. you put it right. where we want and a place that we want, and they had a fair catch it every damn time. And we had great net, and we were always so proud of that. But we always could kind of you know, mother F you a little bit jokingly. <laughs> you don't get a yeah. Kenny so good at it. We don't get a cover. 
So I, I'm right. just curious, uh, you know, from leg to leg, Shane Leckler, he kicks it 80 yards every time, you know, uh, and, and that ends up with bigger returns. So, you know, can you just right. talk a little bit about, you know, swinging a leg and you know, it just comes off. Well, and, and I think, you know, and that's a great, that's a great question. And, and the way I always, you know, I was always, I mean, I, I don't know if coaches like me, but I always had a bunch of defensive starters and obviously the best special teams guys you know, on the team, on a punt unit. I mean, when I was in New England, I had Brewski, Roman Pfeiffer, Vrabel, you, Izzo, um, you know, all on a leg side. And, you know, one of the best snappers, you know, in, in, in the NFL as well. So I can always remember getting in the huddle and everybody's out of breath. You know, Vrabel comes up, dude, just hang it high, man. I don't feel like running. I can't run all the way down there. So, you know, really – now, I wasn't that bang it down the field. I could, you know, if I wanted to and just stretch the field. But, man, that just it just makes one guy gets pushed out of a lane, and you know that makes you can drive a Greyhound bus through it. And then, you know, you got your punter on roller skates trying to, you know, tackle somebody. You're going to be the Mac why, you know, Bill, you get ninja kicked. <laughs> yeah, and, and Bill was always big on that. I mean, I, you know, Bill handed me game balls for having – my net better than my gross. And, and he had said it in one meeting saying he's never had that happen. And I went on to do it like six times because we'd have minus return yards right. because the ball is a 42 yard ball. It's hung up there so high. The guy grabs it. We miss him. He runs backwards. We tackle him. So, right. um, you know, if you got a good group out there, a good group of veteran guys and you give them 40 yards to work with, they're going to fill their lanes. They're going to be disciplined and they're going to make a play. Um, banging it down the field, that's tough, man. It, it, it puts your guys in a, a real tough position. It's, it's one of those things, too. It, you know, it, it, it's, it's sort of a flip of a coin. you got to have that great group if you're going to have the banger uh, because sometimes a 60-yard flat ball can be a problem, <laughs> and that's hard to explain to people that if he gets that, even though it's far down the field, but with that much juice out in front of them, those can end up being forty-yard returns, and your net blows. You know, so it's always kind of. Uh, I mean, think of yeah, <laughs> think about a four, a four-point-two hang time going sixty yards. I mean, <laughs> right, you know, exactly. your guys are just like getting out their out. blocks, and they're yeah, they're, they're ten yards down the field, and this guy's got the ball. So, <laughs> right, right, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's funny. Well, it, it's it's, it's not, interesting too. It, it puts us. It puts you and I, and you're a few years older than me, but not much. And we're we're kind of in that. It kind of in a weird spot now because I think most of the specialists, AV, still out there. Uh, but one of the guys that's still punting uh, was in that famous snowball where you held for AV, obviously, and had to go out there and try to punt it as best you could. But you know, getting those snaps down in that crazy snow. And the guy across from us, which I didn't even realize until I saw him down in the preseason that we were at. Uh, the Greenbrier in West Virginia and, and had some drinks at, you know, one night out with some of the guys. And I got to, you know, hang out with Shane Leckler for the first time. I'd never really met him before then, but uh, yep. he's still punting. And that guy, he was, he was the guy in, in, at the punter in that game. And uh, I remember kind of shielding him off a ball on one of our little fumbles on a punt and thinking, man, that guy's still hanging around. And he's his, he was the guy that was different than others for just how long and far, you know, he would hit it. But last right. week was, last week was a different example where I think he kicked like a 68-yard ball, but it ended up being the Patriots' best return of the day as well. It was like a 38-yard return, return by Amendola. So uh, it just kind of shows you, you know, it, it, there's a lot of different ways to, to sort of get there. But uh, we'll move on to the next right. thing because I really want to get your insight here on on, on, Car- on Carolina specifically. So yep. 
you know, they've been sort of the curiosity, I think, around here because, you know, you look ahead to the schedule early. I think there were a lot of people here locally who looked at Kansas City and said, you know, we'll we'll get by them. We beat them in playoff games. We beat them in, you know, they're 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 a nice team, you know, almost like mm-hmm. kind of condescending a little bit. But uh, and then obviously they had the bad week and they they played really poorly on week one and, and lost that game. Go down, take care of business in New Orleans. Uh, another team, I think, conceptually at least, people are you know they have an idea about that team, but they expect to beat them, and they did. Uh, and then again last week in an ugly game, take care of the Texans. But I think if you're scanning the you're scanning the the schedule and you see the Panthers, that's the first time where you go, oh, okay, in the Super Bowl tiers ago had a down year last year, but everyone's kind of talking them up again about being healthy. Where are they sort of state of the team after three weeks, Kenny? Well, I'll tell you what they were coming. They were on a, a big high after the Niners and the Bills. I think defensively they gave up. I think an average of six points or six points total or so, somewhere around there. Yeah. Um, the Bills played them tough, and it was one that they, you know, they were able to pull out. Um, so I think they were feeling pretty good. But then they get into a division game at home, you know, and they they know who's coming to town. Breeze has always had their numbers over the years, uh, even on their winning spurts. Um, but you know, you want to talk about no identity showing up for this game from, from top to bottom. I mean, their offensive line's been a mess. The Khalil brothers, um, you know, trying to find their identities, the left tackle, the younger one, that's, uh, who's that Matt, uh, is it Matt? Matt is the, the left tackle. You know, he's come out in the public here and saying, you know, oh, I went, went the wrong way on their first drive and then ended up, you know, they get a field goal. And it just gives the Saints, you know, that momentum to come back. Um, you know, Cam, I don't know, just by watching and just by, I mean, I don't even have to go by the stats, but he just looks gun-shy. He looks, his, his eyes don't look the same. He looks indecisive in the pocket. You know, I think he's afraid to run at times. He's, you know, he's sliding a lot, which he's getting praise from from Rivera on. Um right. And and honestly, when he's throwing a ball, it looks like to me he's kind of holding his shoulder in a little bit, not kind of letting it fly. So I think he's still hindered a little bit on that shoulder that he had surgery on. Um, so I'm, you know, I I know it starts with Cam and and an identity, but they also have some playmakers. I mean, you know, you got the young guy, you got the McCaffrey. Um, had a nice day against the Saints. He had with nine catches, 101 yards. You know, everybody's yeah. buzzing about that. Fancy people were happy because he had his breakout game. Yeah, Kenny. Yeah, so I mean, you know, there, there are playmakers. Uh, they get the kid from Ohio State, and they got to get him more into it. Um, but you know, they're they're not establishing the run, uh, which has been big. You know, you know Stewart's the kind of guy where you can just feed him the ball and pound it. Um, but I think that you know, teams are catching on, especially division teams. Look, Cam's not the same Cam, so we pressure him you know, and, and make them hand off the ball, make them, you know, try to run the ball. And when that's not working, man, they just, it, it was just a mess. I yeah, mean, Cam had what, he, so he was ahead. held to 21 passing yards in the first quarter. Yeah. It's yeah. been different. And I think it's it's one of those situations where it, there's sort of a Jekyll and Hyde feel to it, but you also kind of have that thing in your head that they'll, you know, I don't know if they'll figure it out this week, if it'll be a month from now, but it's kind of like, you just remember from those days of preparing, like you kind of just assume you're going to get their best and you may not, you know, but I keep looking down right. there and I, I, I notice the same things you're saying. It doesn't look like the same guy, but when's it going to pop out? 
Yeah, and and one of the quotes that Cam had this week was, you know, his exact quote was, it's gut check time for a lot of people, including myself. And when I hear that in the third game of the season against the division, you know, foe, is that a pain? You know, is that panic? It just didn't show me much confidence, you know, um, right. gut check time. I mean, you know, you're playing against what second worst defense in the league and they shut you down. They pick you off three times. You're sacked four times. Um, you know, Hey, hats off to them. We didn't show up today. You know, we're going to get this thing right. Instead it's, it's gut check time now. So, yeah. you know, that one's been picked apart quite a bit here in the local media. I can tell you that. <laughs> I can imagine. Um, so you did. You, you know. did reference the Samuel kid from Ohio State, uh, and this sort of yeah. to me is kind of a conversation where we've been here before, right? There, there's other teams. Kansas City was one of those where Tyree Kill was sort of thrust. Jeremy Macklin leaves in free agency. The Patriots are now facing a team that kind of sort of feels like they've got just one guy, and Tyree Kill. And I think there was a little bit of overlooking, like your Chris Connolly's, and that Kelsey would make more plays than he otherwise did. Now, Kelvin Benjamin, who'd been sort of up and down anyhow, but he goes down with a knee injury. And the Panthers are really one of those teams when you sort of do just roster checks, which shouldn't be terribly bad, but still football, you got to play games. But I think it is, you know, there's the name recognition is a little lighter here at some of the specialist spots. So, yeah, Curtis Samuels, the, the, or excuse me, Samuel, the kid from Ohio State, second round pick, he's gotta i would presume have a role raising here this week because it's him devin funchess the tight ends out that everyone knows obviously uh greg olson's now injured and out yep. for a bit so who are maybe some people that we don't know as much about that you might figure become a bigger part of this offense as they get a little banged up you know and and it's got to be those guys that we talked about these young guys i mean curtis samuel had what uh, a 31 yard reverse Okay, shows his playmaking ability. We already know what McCaffrey can do. And you know what? The first two weeks of the season, Cam missed some some wide open throws to McCaffrey that were, you know, touchdowns. Um, it's just not on the right page, you know. I mean, come on, training camp with a quarterback in there with his new guys, these these playmakers, these weapons, without Cam in there running those reps, you know, you can't just show up game, you know, week one and expect, you know, that everything's on on schedule. I mean, I know that we know that from how Brady runs things. And when new guys come in, you know, he takes them under their wing and it, that's the most important part, you know, finding out how they run routes, where their breaks are, what they're good at, what they're not good at. And Cam hasn't had, had the ability to, to really, um, you know, see that in these guys because these young guys have to, um, make plays. I mean, they're, they're ready. I mean, McCaffrey is a beast. He's, <laughs> You know, I mean, he's got that pedigree already in him from his dad, you know, so there's no uh, there's no hurdles for him as far as mental as, you know, the league is too big for him or anything. He's accepted that role, and most veterans here have said that he's he's like a veteran. He's like a five-year guy. Yeah, it's uh, interesting. It's interesting when you get a young guy that just looks like he's, yeah, like you said, the lights aren't too bright, and he's ready to roll. And, and because he looks like one of the – I shouldn't say last standing, but you know it, it's it's always an unusual situation where possibly one of your best offensive weapons is is a rookie, uh, and, and injuries are part of that. But Devin Funchess is sort of a curiosity too. I mean, I I covered him when I was at the Big Ten Network, and he was a tight end initially, you know, and he was always sort of right. is he is he's a flex tight end? Does that mean he's a wide receiver? You know, he'd wear he'd go to tight end meetings, but you know now he's into sort yeah. of that full time role. And I know there's been flashes. I remember some positive performances from him a year ago, but he'd be another guy 
that I think they're going to need more production from. And he's a big guy. And so I guess, and again, we'll sort of steer this conversation back to how it's, how it's Patriots relevant. Uh, I'm curious if you're sort of the Panthers from the Panthers point of view, you're down there and you just saw, you know, a mobile quarterback in Deshaun Watson have a really big day, a, a tough to get down kind of day. And I don't think, you know, I don't think anybody out there is going to look at the Texans offensive personnel and be wowed. I mean, I think most people would guess it's the bottom right. half. You know, it's, it's, it's Hopkins and some other people that, that they don't know their names of necessarily. I think that's yeah. a little bit comparable to what they'll get in Carolina. Do you think that makes or, or, or prompts them to let Cam run a little more because of the difficulties the Patriots have with that? Or because of his own health issues, they'll, they'll stick more to script? And that's the huge question mark. I mean, you know, like I told you, I mean, I go to the gym and I hear people talking. I'm hearing um, this, that, and the other, and and, and nobody really knows what is up um, with Cam. We we had a good discussion today on, like, well, if Cam wasn't necessarily ready, then why wouldn't he pull kind of like an Andrew Luck type of thing, you know? You're hurting your team if you're going out there and you're not full tilt. Um. I mean, I would have to say they're going to have a game plan. They're going to come out with something. So if I had to guess, I would say, yeah, I would I would say put Cam in those situations uh, where he can do some read option stuff um, and try to fool the ends, try to get the backers to go one way and, and muscle his way, but, but can he take the hit? Um, and on the flip side of that, knowing how Bill Belichick can take this win – and make it into a loss, into a highlight reel of every mistake that, you know, especially on the defensive <laughs> right. side, For sure. you know, and tight, and tighten things up and, and watch the tape and how Drew Brees, you know, picked them apart. Um, you know, so they're going to have to. They're gonna, they, they have no identity whatsoever on offense. And, and you can tell in the way the interviews are going, Rivera had said, uh, we are playing undisciplined football. Guys are trying to do too much and and, you know again i'm like here's a head coach saying they're playing undisciplined guys are trying to do too much you know and then it just goes back to that patriot way just just do your job you know instead of trying to you know make everything happen and cam is no he's noted he's he's noted as that guy always trying to do a little bit too much holding the ball too much uh, when he scrambles out, there's a lot of times he can hit check downs where he, you know, he feels like he's going to go for the home run ball or he's going to try to run it. And, you know, it's just staying in the framework of what they have uh, is what he meant by that undisciplined football. So they got a lot to tighten up, um, but they have the playmakers to do it. You know, it's always interesting when you're in that kind of situation and and you come into a place that's known for sort of being the opposite of it, right? And 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 I don't paint this as a perfect picture. The Patriots are clearly trying to work through those, some things themselves, but you sort of alluded to it, Kenny, and I think this is actually kind of funny because they this is a week where the Patriots scored 36 points. I also think it's a week where they're doing a lot of the stuff that you just referenced where Bill's going to make it feel like they scored 14 because there were most missed opportunities. There were missed third and ones. There were missed red zone opportunities. There were stalls at the, at the midfield. There were real bad situational football on a, you know, a, a three and out backed up that they never like because they don't want, you know, the punter to have to kick out of the shadow of their own end zone. And that led to the, right. you know, well, I don't know if it led to the 35, but the 35 yard followed it. And then there was a two play drive after that. So, you know, there's enough ugly, to where they'll make you feel like you scored 
10 points and lost by 20, you know? So that kind of team is who Carolina's coming to see. So it'll make it interesting. So one parting shot here, we got to, we only got a few minutes left, but I wanted to hit on the defense a little bit before, before we had to go. Uh, you know, I, their curiosity to me as well. I think the Patriots have had, you know, with Kansas City as a, as a top 10 kind of defense. Uh, Houston's obviously one of even top five, top few, uh, that, at least by reputation. Carolina's definitely considered sort of in that same mix. Where do you see them sitting? Obviously, you had the two great hold downs in the first two weeks, but maybe against a little less explosive offenses. And then they threw the bomb out last week. Is that more from division familiarity or which sort of identity you think is is closer to the real one yeah i you know that third game i think you know being in the division and everything i just think the saints know them well and had a a better game plan and it and it stymied that defense because carolina's defense is a high-powered wind up and go i mean with kinkley and i mean that dude is you know he's the heart and soul and then you got thomas davis who's like an ageless wonder um, Julius Peppers is back in that system. He's happy to be at home, and he's still, man, he's, you know, he's a freak. The guy is just, you know, you still got to watch him. And fifteen uh, years, he didn't have that big. Yeah, he he didn't have that big of a day last week. Um, so obviously he's going to push himself. And Julius Peppers always steps up on the big stage. Um, you got Mario Addison in there, um, and their backers. So they rely on that front seven. You know, to make because their their secondary is a little bit younger. You know, so they're they're you know they got off kilter because you know, what did they do? They they were six. They were they held the Niners and the Bills. I think total like uh, six. I think they were six of twenty four on third down conversions. Both teams, and then the Saints came in and they were six of twelve. <laughs> so you know they're they're bread and butter of shutting people down on those third downs. They they just kind of lost that way, and and it was against a high powered quarterback um one of their defensive linemen i think it was addison said today you know they asked him what the difference between uh brady and um and breeze is and he said nothing one of them has more rings Hmm. you know so yeah that's think tom's taller too if i remember correctly yeah i think tom (laughs) just a hair (laughs) (laughs) a little better hair yeah exactly yeah 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 well we can go on with that but um uh You know, it, 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 those are the things that, you know, they know what they have coming. I mean, they know that, that New England is clicking from that game one. You know, they're, they're starting to find it. Guys are healthy again. And, you know, I think New England's got established to run a little bit against uh, against the Panthers and open yeah, so things up. So that's, that's kind of my question to you, uh, Dubs, because I don't really know it, it, when people chip away at Carolina – uh, you know, I, I watched part of last week's game. I watched the, the first half uh, as we're at least doing this now. I'll try to do a little more research before we get to game day. But that's that was kind of my my major overall going away question. When when people do get at Carolina defensively, we know how well they flow with Tommy and, and Keekley and, and Jack Thompson, the other kind of small dude, the safety slash linebacker guy. When people do have success against them, in what part of the defense do they usually gash? You know, it's it's getting those um, those one-on-one matchups with some of these slot guys we have or our backs, someone like Lewis. I mean, it, it those those are the things that that are tough on them because they get gassed. I mean, kind of like you saw at the end. I think Zolak said it on the radio broadcast. These guys are gassed. <laughs> you know, you get if you get them guys running a lot, um, then you can start pounding the ball. 
you know, you start opening things up. And, and you know, I think that's pretty simple to see on on film. Um, but, you know, giving up, uh, the rushing is going to have to, you know, I think they, let's see, they gave up 149 yards to the Saints rushing. And previous to that, I mean, there's not, there hasn't been much, so. Not much, and that's that's an interesting point for you to highlight, Kenny, because uh, you know we knew the Saints from facing them in Week Two, and the and the Patriots. A lot of the storyline coming out of their their place was that they were really struggling to run the football. Didn't run it well against Patriots coming into that game. Uh, they'd had a lot of uh, health issues on their edges with their tackles. Running the football just hadn't happened yet. So it's it's it is interesting that they found that fire against Carolina, a defense I think it would be harder to find it. But like we, we talked about, there's some familiarity there. But all right, well, anyway, buddy, it was so awesome having you on. And uh, just sort of uh, uh, going away, Have uh, I, I'm curious about this, and I know Patriots fans are probably curious about this as well. It's a guy that's connected to us and sort of all of us through our little special teams community. But AV is like a cult now. How do you sort of reconcile that in your head i've i've always had a weird thing about this because we all know he's slam dunk in the in the hall of fame and we're all gonna go there when it happens but he's played longer there he's had a bigger chunk of his career as an indianapolis colt than than a patriot and i'm having a hard time dealing with that no matter how many years years go on how about you i texted him the other day i said dude i woke up this morning and I said, there is no way in hell that I would be able to do what you're doing right now. What are you thinking? Right. You know, and he's after that scoring record, and he wants it. And then I turned around, and I, I texted Gustowski the same thing. And, and Steve said, well, playing in New England, it adds like eight years to your career anyway. So I technically <laughs> right. have 20. <laughs> right. And I said, yeah, you're man, right. Exactly. It's, it's, it's a rounding area. Yeah, you play here. They can't work. I always said that even beyond the weather, I always felt that way just as a – the way we practiced and the way we banged and in, in, in games and, and just the style we played, I always felt like, you know, six years in, in New England should count about eight and a half, you know, as far as accrued seasons in the NFL. Like it, it shouldn't be a one for one, you know, those, those, those yeah. jet years I had after those, those were tough too, but I felt like New England, I should have got a little extra credit. Like it just felt like more, but yeah. anyway, yeah. And all right, I man. Keep those tabs. Yep, with uh, yeah. Adam. So he, you know, he's doing something special. I hope he gets that record. Oh, he sure is. And we'll, uh, you know, I, I always say this in jest. Of course, we still cheer for him unless he's kicking against the Pats. But all right, man. Thank you so much for uh, for coming on. You're you're a true pro, and you did an awesome job kicking ass. And uh, we'll we'll look to see if some of these keys you brought up uh, come to fruition in the game. Take care, man. Hope all's well. All right, man. You too. Thanks for having me. We'll see. You. A lot of great stuff there by Ken. He is a rock star. One of my, you know, I keep saying this. Can I, everyone I have on, it was one of my former teammates, uh, favorite teammates. Am I going to, am I going to tell that little fib every time? I'm kidding. But no, uh, Kenny's a guy that I had a, had a great time with. Uh, he's a funny dude. He's smart. He's sarcastic. Uh, he's, he's, he's somebody that feels the ups and downs, rolled the roller coaster with us uh, through the highs and through the lows. It's good to see him doing well. I've, I ran into him a couple times down there as an alumni. He's obviously an alumni of the Panthers as well as he is here. And uh, the last couple of preseasons, not this year, but the two years before, we were down in Carolina and, and saw Kenny doing alumni stuff there for the Panthers then as well. And he lives in the area, much like I do the old, a lot of alumni stuff around here for the Patriots. He's sort of in that environment, uh, you know, seeing a lot of the old guys that live in the in the Charlotte area there. And 
keeping more of a close tabs on that team more so than I guess he would up here. But he gives great insight there on the team stuff and just sort of the general sense of what's going on with that team. And I think he hit on a lot of notes that that as sort of my going away thoughts here will be that you need to watch for in this game. Pay very close attention to interior runs. They cannot be there if that read option portion where it's pulled out or it's kept in the gut and Stewart's going forward for six. Got a problem. Got a problem. Opens up all this other stuff. Uh, if uh, If you get into a situation where you're looking at you know, shot plays that come directly off that stuff, you've got monster problems. So a lot of the things that, that you were good on in the last game, but that wasn't as big of a factor with Kelvin Benjamin now down at the wide receiver position with Greg Olson down at the wide receiver position, you need to be able to hit on the the second and uncomfortables, the third and uncomfortables defensively. And you need to not give up the big plays. I mean, it's, it's incredibly obvious, but you need to know where those big plays would come from, from these guys and where they would. It's when it's first in a, in a little bit of a gain. Why? Because then it allows them to have the flexibility to take shots later in downs. So you need to keep them in uncomfortable. So they're trying to get back on track with five yard passes, as opposed to being five yards ahead of schedule and bombing it down the field. And we know Newton can do that. So I do think a little more than more so than last week, this is a week where there's going to be opportunities to get the ball off Newton. He hasn't been as sharp as possible, or I'm sorry, as, as sharp as in past years. Uh, and I think some this could be potentially very easily a big game for either Chung, who will have Dixon in a lot of matchups, or McCourty as a deep-field player. I don't think Newton has been moving things as well with his eyes, even as, the, as, as good as the rookie we saw last week ago. I think he's someone that you can zone in on because when he does try to, to do his best and be a pocket player, I think it's a little easier to get a jump on his stuff as I watch it. And McCourty's just got such a tremendous anticipatory sort of thing in him that I think that you might most, don't be surprised if either Harmon or, or McCourty get a ball off him this week. But they need to do it. You need to force turnovers with that offense. That offense has not had great output for three weeks. They're going to be pressing to try to keep up with the Brady offense. And uh, who wouldn't be, right? We've seen that sort of time and time again. But Watson, wow. His ability, it's a notch above from just straight scrambling anyway than even Cam can do. And Cam's one of the real unique athletes in the entire league. So that's what to watch for on that side of the ball. Defensively, you got to get them running. Uh, Kenny touched on this a little bit because you have sort of a really heavy flow. <laughs> Pun not intended, but uh, guys on the second level that really react heavily to stretch plays, to outside runs, they're a little more apt to overrun stuff. So if you see a big run play hit in this game, my guess will be all the way out on the edge or into the cutback. Uh, so a cutback with James White, a big cutback play with Gillisley, where you stretch and then go back to the backside. That's usually where you gash these guys because there's there's such good frontside tacklers, pursuit guys. They run hard, run fast, but run fast, you can seal and take advantage of that. So um, chipping away at that and chipping away at the young secondary. And if you get a healthy full complement this week, Amendola back to a, a closer to full role. Dorsett, you know, we didn't see much of him last week. So they, does he go back into a, a con- contributing kind of one or two or three catch kind of situation where you can steal some with him? Opening the package up with Brandon Cooks, using Gronk more in traditional, I think, this week to try to move edges, get these defensive lines out of diving into the backfield because they think everyone's a pass, using some Gronk-Allen sort of combo blocking. I think that stuff will all be really big here. And by and large, 
I just think it's going to be an exciting week, a fun one, because this is a team that's talented that's not performing very well, especially as they did a week ago against the Saints. So you're going to get their best shot. They're going to be focusing hard to come up here and, and you know, maybe licking their chops a little bit because they've seen three weeks of defense where they might think they've got something on the Patriots. And that's obviously to be determined. But uh, we'll enjoy it. I always, you know, I don't know if this the prediction is really terribly important. Uh, because I don't want you pinning me down on a score. I have to do this for other TV shows during the week. But I think, by and large, if you're just looking for general sense, I don't see anyone keeping this Patriots team off that 30 mark, uh, at least staying around at the 28-32 to 32 sort of window. Um, Panthers defense is good, but this offense is better than most. So I have a sense they'll be right around that number that they've been. you just got to hope that this defense keeps the offense below it. So that'll be the task, getting back to games where you're keeping them in the teens for scoring. And that'll be the goal moving forward. Might be, not be a one-week job, but chipping away at one score at a time or half of a score, that'll be the goal. Controlling this, controlling big plays, your Patriots beating these Carolina Panthers. Thanks again for checking in with the show. Thank you for giving us your time and your Patriots. Can in, continue to share this thing. I don't know if you're listening to this on blogtalkradio.com. I don't know if you're downloading it from there, if it's through iTunes subscription, through Stitcher, any number of ways that you can get it. But thank you. Share it to friends and family. Share it on Facebook, Twitter, all those kinds of things. Encourage the follower list. We love the thousands of you that have been a part of our initial shows. We want to continue to grow that audience. And I love your feedback. Uh, If there's other things you'd rather me cover, if there's other ways you'd rather me sequence it, if there's other ways you'd rather sort of receive this information we have, I'm down for uh, I'm down for criticism. I'm I'm not thin skinned. So we're doing this for you. So you continue to give us the information how you want it. Enjoy your week. Enjoy that next game. Go Patriots. Thanks for listening to the Football by Football podcast. Football insight by football players. Hi, Lucky. Hi, Dusty. Good night, Ned. Good night, Ned. Good night, Ned.